0: to say the things, Father, that you would have me to say, Lord, help this to be a time uh, where we can be encouraged and challenged and and instructed in your word, and Father, I understand that there are a lot of things that we could be doing on a Sunday night, uh, but these dear people have gathered together to hear from you, Father, and I pray that you would help me, Lord, to have the Holy Spirit come upon me, Lord, to be able to minister and to to be able to deliver uh, your word, Father, in your precious name I pray, amen. Well, we're there in uh, Genesis 4 and Hebrews 11, and uh, last week we started a a series entitled The Hall of Faith, and it's a study of Hebrews chapter number 11, and last week was kind of an introductory sermon. We talked about what faith is and uh, what faith can do in your life, and if if you missed that sermon, I'd encourage you to go on our website and listen to it, and it kind of just lays a foundation about faith, and we talk about, I, I don't believe that oftentimes we understand what faith is, but as we go through Hebrews chapter number 11, which is, a famous chapter known as the Hall of Faith. It's not the Hall of Fame, it's the Hall of Faith. And there's different characters in Hebrews 11 that uh, God highlights because they exercise great faith in their life. And tonight we're going to look at the first character mentioned in Hebrews 11, and that was Abel. And if you're there in Hebrews chapter 11, if you look at verse 4, the Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, Abel and Cain, and and we'll look at the story here in a second, we'll get back to Genesis 4, but God is referring to both Cain and Abel brought a sacrifice to God. And I'd like you to understand that this sacrifice has a couple of applications. Usually in scripture, when you study the Bible, you will find that there is a primary application, maybe a secondary application. And I'd like you to understand first of all, that this offering that Abel offered unto God, the primary application, the, the, the main teaching in the Bible is this, Abel's offering represents salvation. Abel's offering represents salvation. And it is a, you know, salvation by faith, which is what Abel had, versus salvation by works, which is what Cain represented. And if you look at verse 11 again, he says, by faith. So you gotta understand, Abel's offering was offered through faith. Now today, you know, I've I grown up in church and I've heard a lot of different preaching, a lot of different preachers, and a lot of different, uh, 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 you know, theories about uh, Cain and Abel, and today there are there there are a lot of teachers that will say, you know, uh, the story of Cain and Abel has nothing to do with salvation, and, and I know that sounds odd because, I mean, it seems so obvious that it has to do with salvation, but today there are many that say, it has to do with, with, with different things. And I don't believe there are different applications, and we'll look at that tonight. But you need to understand, the primary application is of salvation. And it's proven in Hebrews 11. The, the best way to study scripture is to allow scripture to be its own commentary. And in Hebrews 11, we get a commentary of what happened in Genesis chapter 4. And if you notice, he says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now notice this phrase. By which... Talking about the sacrifice that he offered by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. So the way that Abel obtained a witness that he was in a righteous standing before God was by the sacrifice that he offered to God. Keep your finger there in Hebrews 11 or a bookmark or a bulletin or something. Go to Matthew 23 real quickly. Let me just show you another verse in regards to that. Matthew 23 and verse number 35. Matthew 23 and verse 35. The Bible says... Matthew 23.35 says that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. From the blood of, notice this, righteous Abel. So see, throughout the Bible we find, and the Bible says there is none righteous, no not one. The only way an individual can be righteous is when he is, you know, when he has accepted Christ as the Savior and we are given the righteousness of Christ. And here the Bible tells us that Abel was a righteous man and he obtained that witness through the sacrifice. The witness was that he was righteous. So I want you to understand that this passage to do with salvation. I'll go back to Genesis chapter uh, 4. So, you know, I want to lay that foundation. This is how it was proven. This is how Abel obtained the witness that he was righteous. Now, if we look at Genesis chapter 4, let me kind of give you... The difference between Abel and Cain's sacrifice. If you look at verse one again, Genesis chapter four and verse one, the Bible says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord, and she again bears brother Abel, and Abel. Now notice God tells us the occupations of these young men. It says, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So one was what would keep sheep, the other one was a farmer. He was a tiller of the ground. Verse three. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. Now here's what you got to understand, okay? Abel brings a lamb. He brings a sacrifice. He he brings a blood sacrifice to God. That is a picture of salvation because we know, and I'm not going to take the time to show it to you, but we know that John the Baptist and and throughout scripture, Jesus is represented by a lamb. We know that John, when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. So Abel is bringing a sacrifice to God. And he's saying, Hey, the only way that I can obtain righteousness, the only way that I can be saved, the only way that I can be forgiven of my sins, the only way that I can have my sins... Off of me is by, is, is if there's a sacrifice and my sins put on that sacrifice and the righteousness of that sacrifice is imputed to me. That's what Abel is saying. But notice, Cain brings what he produced at work because he's a tiller of the ground. And notice was 4 in Abel, uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, 3 And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering to the Lord. So here we have two different people bringing two different offerings. One brings a sacrifice. The other one brings what he labored to produce. And you've got to understand, today, those are the two belief systems. Today, you know, oftentimes people will ask me... With all the religions in the world, with all the churches in the world, with all the denominations in the world, how do you know that yours is the right one? And number one, I'm not right, and, and being a Baptist isn't right, but the Word of God is right. But the way, you know, you've got to understand this, you got to get away from this idea. There are not thousands of religions, there are not thousands of belief systems. There are two belief systems in this world today. One is that we are saved through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, not because of anything I've ever done, Not because of anything I've ever accomplished. It's through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If He would not have died, there'd be no hope for my salvation. And the other is that I worked my way to heaven because I go to church, because I got baptized, because I repented of my sins, because I live a good life. It's the same thing in Genesis 4 as it is today. Some offer a sacrifice and some offer their works. It's the same thing. And, you know, just to give you further evidence that Cain represents false religion and and Cain represents, you know, offering your words. Go to Jude. Uh, Jude is only one chapter chapter one there. It's only it's in the book of Jude. It's right before the book of Revelation. Jude. Look at verse number three. Jude 3. Now Jude, you got to understand, Jude was given to us right before the book of Revelation, and the purpose of the book of Jude, I'll show it to you, the purpose of the book of Jude is to identify false religion and false preachers. In Jude verse 3, the Bible says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. So Jude is saying I wanted to write to you about salvation. He said it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now he says look Jude says I, I sat down I gave all diligence to write I wanted to write to you about the common salvation but when I sat down to start writing about salvation he said it was I, I just realized how needful Needful it was me to write to you about contending and defending the faith. You said, Well, why should we contend for the faith? Here's why. Verse four, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God, or our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jude says, hey, I want to write to you about salvation. I realize that the most important thing I can tell you about salvation is that you should contend for the faith, is that you should defend our salvation. You say, why should I do that? He says, because there are certain men cracked in unawares. And you've got to understand this. Not everybody that says they're a preacher, not everybody that carries a Bible, not everybody that says they have a message from God is from God. Because there are certain men crept in a white And throughout the rest of the book of Jude, Jude goes through explaining for us and defining for us who we should be looking for as a false prophet. Notice who he gives as an example. Verse 11, Jude 11. He says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam. For reward and perish in the gang stand of court. So see here, God gives us. He says, if you want a picture of a false prophet, he says, just look at Cain. What do we see Cain doing? We see Cain saying, "Hey, offer your your works, your labor to God." Go to First John chapter number three. You're there in Jude. Just turn a few pages uh, to the left in your Bible. There, First John chapter number three. Look at verse eleven. First John chapter number three. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, notice, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew, him, slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Now, you've got to understand this, and and I know this is a little bit of review for some of you, but let's just just, just look at it. Go to Ephesians chapter number 2, and and let me explain something to you, and then we're going to get off of this and and, and go to the the second application. We just got to be true to the text and make sure we understand. The story is teaching that one person offers a sacrifice by faith. The other offers their labor and their work, and God had respect to Abel and had no respect for the the sacrifice of Cain. Uh, Ephesians chapter number 2. and let me, You need to understand this. The word faith in the Bible goes hand in hand with the word grace. Are you there in Ephesians chapter 2? Look at verse 8. Famous verse of scripture. It says, For by grace are you saved Through faith. So how are we saved? We're saved through faith, but it's always by grace. You cannot separate the thoughts of grace and faith. Because here's what you got to understand. Remember we learned last week. Faith is putting our confidence and our trust on something based on the Word of God. That we've never seen, I've never seen Jesus, I did not see Him resurrected, but because the Word of God teaches me about Jesus, I'm able to put my faith and my confidence on Jesus Christ. But you gotta understand this, the only way that you and I can be saved by faith is through grace. Now, the word grace means unmerited favor. The word grace means you're, you're getting something you do not deserve. You're getting something you did not earn. It's not something you paid for. You know, just an easy way to remember it is the word grace means free. Okay? The Bible, the Bible just teaches us grace is free. So if you're going to be saved by faith, here's the only way you and I can be saved by faith. If God was willing to save us for free. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now understand this. Not only does faith and grace always go together, but faith and grace are always opposite of works. Look at verse 9. Well, look at verse again. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. So is it something that you produce? No. Is it something that comes from you? No. He says that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. That's why it's free, because the gift is free, right? He says it's of grace because it's a gift. Because the gift is always given to you freely, look at verse 9, not of works. Let's any man should boast. So, works is the opposite of faith, and faith and grace go together. Now here, you say, why are you explaining all this to us? Here's why I want you to understand. Go to Romans chapter number 11. Romans chapter number 11. Because today, we will go out, and those of you that go out soul winning, I want you to, to, to kind of write notes, or, or just remember this, so you can explain to people when you're out soul winning. Today, people will say, well, past three minutes, we believe in salvation by grace through faith. We believe that it's faith in Jesus Christ. But then they'll say, but you also have to do the works. It's faith, but you also have to live a good life. It's faith, but you, you know, if the works don't follow, then, then there wasn't any faith. Or if, if, if you don't have the right words, then you can lose your faith, or you can lose your salvation. And they'll say, it, it's not that we're saying that it's only works. We believe it's Jesus plus our works. But here's the thing. Faith and grace go together and they're both anti works Now notice what Paul said in Romans chapter number 11, in verse 6. Here's what he says. And if by grace... What's the word grace mean? It means free. He says, if by grace... He said, if it's free, then it is no more of works. Because what does work mean? Work means I earn it. When you go to work and you get paid... You know, does your boss give you your paycheck and said, hey, I want to give you a gift? Here's, here's $800 for working. You're like, that's not a gift, I earned that. I went to work, I got up early, I did everything you told me to do. You didn't give me a gift, I earned that, I worked. So work is the opposite of free, you understand that? I go to work, they're not giving me anything, I earn them. And Paul says, look, if it's of grace, if it, it, he says, and if by grace, he says, if it's free, then it is no more of works. He said, if it's free, then you didn't earn it. Does that make sense? I mean, is that really complicated? He said, if it's free, then it, then you didn't earn it. Otherwise, free is not free. He said, look, if you earn it, then, it is, then grace is no more grace. Does that make sense? But, and just to make sure we get it, he says, but if it be of works. He says, if it's something you earn, then it's not free. He says, and it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So here's what would you need would to you understand. You cannot add works to grace. It's either grace or it's works, but it's not both. And see, today people will say, we're saved by grace through faith, but you have to also... Do something. And here's what you got to understand. Whenever you attach an action to salvation, you turn that into work salvation. So, you know, and you can attach it, you know, people like to attach it in different places. Some people will say, you got to repent of your sins in order to be saved. The Bible defined for us repenting of your sins as works in the book of Jonah. And you've got to understand this, the moment you tell somebody, you got to stop doing something in order to be saved, you just added a work to salvation. And if it's of grace, then it is no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. And if it be of works, it is no more work, it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Do you understand that? Today people say, well, no, no, you're saved by grace through faith, but if you do something bad after you're saved, then God can take away your salvation. But again, who is that dependent on? That's dependent on you. As long as, you know, people say, well, if you commit adultery, or if you rob a bank, or if you kill somebody, well, here's the, the number one, you know, if you kill yourself, you commit suicide, then God will take your salvation away. But then, I am saved as long as I don't commit adultery, or as long as I don't kill somebody, or as long as I don't commit suicide. I'm still adding an action, or the lack of a bad action, to my salvation. You cannot mix the two. You're either offering God a sacrifice, and like Abel said, it's all because of the death of this lamb, which represents Jesus Christ. Or you're offering God your works, but you got to understand this, God is not impressed with your works. He's impressed with the work of one individual, the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Galatians chapter number 2. So don't buy into this philosophy like, well, it's it's faith and works. It's faith and, you know, the things I do. You can't mix the two. We can't have both. It's either faith or it's works. It's either grace or it's works. It's either salvation through Jesus Christ or it's salvation through the things that you've done. But it's not both. Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. Are you there? Galatians two twenty-one. Notice what Paul said. He said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. You ever you have somebody in your life that frustrates you? There's some, you know, some of you are like, yeah, my husband frustrates me. My wife frustrates me. My children frustrate me. Yeah, if, if no one in your life frustrates you, just become a pastor. Okay? You'll find all sorts of people that frustrate you. But he said, I do not frustrate. Notice what, what Paul says. He said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. He said, I don't frustrate the giving of God. He said, God wants to give you a gift. He said, I'm not going to frustrate that. Now notice what he says. For if... Righteousness is that? Is that not what Abel obtained? Witness that he was righteous. No, he says, if righteousness come by the law. You gotta understand this. You gotta get this. And you know, we're, we're I know we're an independent final Baptist church, we preach the Bible and all that, but I'm afraid that even within our church, some people don't grasp this thing. If righteousness come by the law, if I could be righteous by keeping the law, by doing what the Bible says, by keeping the commandments, if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in me. Do you understand that? If I could do enough good things in order to make myself righteous, then I don't need a sacrifice like that Then I don't need Jesus Christ. Why would He die on the cross? Why don't I just keep the Ten Commandments? Why don't I just repent of all my sins? Why don't I just live a good life? You cannot... And, and when you try to mix works to salvation, it just frustrates God and it frustrates the grace of God. You cannot reconcile the two thoughts. It's either faith or it's works. It's either something you earn because of the good things you did or the bad things you stopped doing or it's kept by your good life or you say, it's Jesus Christ alone, I didn't earn it, I couldn't get it and once I have it, I can't do anything to get myself to lose it because I didn't earn it to begin with. It was given to me. And that's the only way I can be saved is by grace through faith. Hebrews chapter number 11, look at verse 4. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. The picture here is that Abel's offering represents salvation. And everybody in the world offers God one of two things. Salvation by faith and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Or you're offering him your good works. But here's the problem with your good works. Just like Cain, the Bible tells us his works were evil. Alright? In Hebrews 11.4. But let me, let me show you another thing that this passage represents. Because you've you got to understand this, and you may have never seen this before. But in Hebrews 11.4, I want you to see this. The Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Now notice this phrase. God testifying of his gifts. Do you see the S at the end of the word gift there? He says, God testifying of his gifts. And by he being that just speaking. So the Bible tells us here that Abel actually offered plural gifts. He didn't offer one gift. he offered gifts, multiple gifts. Does that make sense? Go back to Genesis chapter 4. Let me show you the multiple gifts that God that Abel offered unto God. Keep your finger there in Hebrews 11 because we're going to be going back and forth. He offered multiple gifts. He said the Bible says God testifying of his Gives. Genesis chapter number 4, look at verse number 3. Genesis chapter number 4 and verse number 3. Genesis 4, 3 says this, And in the process of time, it came to pass, that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the, notice this, firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. So there we have two different offerings. He brought of the firstling, and he brought of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Now, keep, keep reading in Genesis 4. Go back to Hebrews 11. Let me show you something. H- Hebrews eleven four. okay? Notice what God says about Abel's offering. By faith, Abel offered unto God, notice this phrase, a more excellent sacrifice. Do you see that? So not only does this passage represent salvation, I, I, I want you to understand this. This story represents our sacrifice as well. Because the offerings that they actually brought, God says the one that Abel brought me was more excellent or it was better than the one that Cain brought me. Now we understand in salvation, that's the primary application. In salvation, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus Christ, is better than any church attendance I can offer. But even in a Christian's life, he's talking about the sacrifice that we bring to God when we offer Him our lives, it says that Abel brought a more excellent sacrifice. Now you would say, well, why was it more excellent? What made Abel's offering better than the one that Cain offered? Right, go back to Genesis chapter 4. Notice what he says. Verse 4. And Abel, he also brought of the, notice notice the first part of the word, first. You see how it says First. He also brought up the firstlings of his flock. Here's what that means, okay? When the sheep would give birth, he brought the very first one that was born. It didn't matter if it was the strongest one, it didn't matter if it was the best quality one, it didn't matter if it was the scrawniest or the best one yet. Whatever was born first, that's what he brought to God. And you gotta understand, here's what that represents. He gave God the first choice. He gave God the priority. Do you understand that? He was working hard. He's keeping his sheep. He's, he's about to get paid. He's about to get the return on his investment. The sheep are born. And the very first one, the first thing, he says, that's not for me, that's for God. I'm going to give God the first choice. But notice what it says. Uh, keep reading there in verse 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock. But that's not all he brought. He also brought, the Bible says, and of the fat thereof. Do you see that? So he brought the firstling, and he also brought the fattest one. Now, with sheep, the fattest one is the best one. The fattest one is the strongest one. The fattest one is the one you want to eat. It's got the most meat on it. Go to Genesis 41. Let me show you uh, verse number 1 there. I want to just prove to you that fat means the best quality. Fat means the best qualities. For some of you, you're like, "Man, praise the Lord." <laughs> That's not funny. Genesis 41. Some of you can tell me you get it later. Genesis 41. Look at verse one. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven. Look what the Bible says: well favored, kind, and fat flesh, and they fed in the meadow. So the fat represents the best quality. Here's what I want you to say. Abel, when he brought a sacrifice to God, not only did he give him the first sling, not only did he give him the first choice, not only did he give him the priority, he also gave him the fattest one, he gave him the best choice, he gave him the best quality. Do you understand that? And in my life and in your life, If the sacrifice that we offer to God, which doesn't the Bible say, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If you're going to offer your life to God, and I'm going to offer my life to God, you say, I want to make sure that what I offer to God is a blessing. I mean, I want to make sure that when I offer my life to God and I offer Him my life, that He's going to have respect unto it. That He's going to be happy with it. That He's going to say it's the best thing. You say, how can I make sure that what I offer to God is the best, uh, the, the best offering that I can bring, bring to Him? Here's what you got to understand. The way that you can make sure that what you offer to God is something that He's going to be happy with, something that He's going to respect, is you got to give, number one, Him the first option. You've got to give Him the priority. Let me show it to you from Scripture. Go to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter number 6, verse 33. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. God wants us to give Him the first choice. Matthew chapter 6, these are one-on passages. You've seen them before, but look at them again. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, 33, the Bible says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the days of evil thereof. The Bible says to seek the kingdom of God first. Here you go, go to uh, Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians. Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians chapter number 1, and look at verse number 18. Colossians chapter 1, says this, Colossians 1.18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Colossians 1.18, notice the last phrase, Colossians 1.18. That in all things, this is talking about Jesus Christ. It's talking about the head of the body. That in all things, he, that's Jesus, might have the preeminence. So when I offer my life to God, I offer my sacrifice to God, when I bring an offering to God, how do I make sure that it's something that God's going to respect? How do I make sure that it's something that God's going to be happy with? Here's how you make sure. When you give God the priority, when you give God the first choice. So when you get up in the morning, and you're tempted to go check your Facebook, and see how many people, I don't even know. I don't have Facebook. I don't know how it works. You know, you want to go check your Twitter, or you want to see how many people like you, or are your friends, or Whatever. You know, and you're like, oh, you want to go check your email, or you want to read the newspaper, and you think, I really should read the Bible. See, when you choose to say, I'm going to give God the priority, I'm going to read the Bible first, and then I'll do the worst. Then God says, you're offering me a sacrifice, that I'll do See, when, you're, when you have a decision, and you say, I can either do what God would want me to do, or I can do what I would like to do, and you say, I'm going to let God go first. I'm going to give Him the priority. I'm going to give Him I'm going to give him the, the superior place in my life. I'm going to seek the kingdom of God first. He says, hey, I'm happy because here's what you've got to understand. Go, go back to uh, Genesis chapter 4. Go back to Genesis chapter 4. You've got to understand, everything in the Bible is there for a reason. God does not just put words in the Bible to give us fluff because he didn't have anything else to say. Genesis chapter 4. Notice what the Bible says about Cain's sacrifice. Verse 3. And in the present time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. So it says, Cain just brought him something that was produced from the ground, an offering unto the Lord. There's no description. It doesn't tell us he brought him the best fruit. It doesn't tell us he brought him the first fruit. He just brought him of the fruit of the ground. But notice how God describes what Abel brought, verse 4. And Abel, he also brought, and God makes sure to tell us, of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. So see, God is emphasizing for us that Abel had decided, I'm not going to take that first lamb and eat it myself or use it for something for myself. I'm going to give it to God. And in my life and in your life, when you come to a place where you've got to decide, am I going to go to church or am I going to go to the park? Am I going to go to church or am I going to go, you know, to a party? Am I going to read my Bible or am I going to, you know, watch TV? When you've got to decide between what something you want to do and something God would have you do, God will be pleased when you put Him first. He says, give me the first one. He said, give me the first choice. He said, give me the priority. But not only that, you're there in Colossians 1, or we were there, Get to Colossians 3, look at verse 23. Not only did He give Him the priority, right, the, fir- the first thing, He also gave Him the, the best choice. He gave Him the quality. Notice what the Bible says in Colossians 3.23. Colossians 3.23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. He said, whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Go to Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1, that's the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter number 1. Malachi chapter 1. Look at verse number 8. Here we have Malachi talking to us about people bringing offerings to God. Malachi chapter 1 verse 8. Malachi 1 8 says this. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice. Now notice what Malachi is talking about. And I want you to see it. So I'll wait a second for you to get there. Malachi chapter 1 verse 8. He's talking about bringing God a sacrifice. Now you understand. In those days they were literally, they were picking a sheep and saying this is the one that I'm going to offer to God. Now notice what Malachi says. If ye offer the blind for sacrifice. So here's what he's saying. you got all these sheep. And you're like, I've got to pick the sheep to go sacrifice to God. And you pick the blind one. The one that's not worth anything. The one that you're probably not going to sell. The one that's sick. He says, if he offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? He says, look, it's not just about bringing something to God. He said, what about the quality of what you're bringing to God? He said, it's not just about bringing a sacrifice. If you bring a sacrifice, that's great. But you brought the blind one. You brought the lame one. You brought the one that's sick. He says, is it not evil? Now, here's the test that Malachi gives us. And here's the test that you ought to give yourself in your own life. He says, offer it now unto thy governor. He says, you bring the blind one to God. You bring the lame one to God. You bring the sick one to God. He said, Say, hey, governor, I want to have you over for dinner. I'm going to give you a a meal here with a lamb, and I'm going to pick out the lame one, the sick one, the blind one. That's what I'm... Would he be pleased with me? Or accept my person? Save the Lord of Hosts. You know, as you serve God in life, and as you volunteer and give things and sacrifice, you always... You ought to ask yourself this question. This is something that I tried to do, you know, when I was um, pastoring, but before the church paid me. And I would always ask myself this question. If I was getting paid for what I'm doing, would I get fired? And of so you got to ask yourself that question. If, you, if your job that you were getting paid for was to go to church, would you get fired because of too many absences? I mean, would you get fired because you can't show up on time? Good. You get, I mean, if, you, if your job was to go soul winning and you were getting paid for that job, would you be let go because you're not dependable? Because see, we offer things to God and we say, God, I'm going to do this, and God, I'm going to volunteer this, and I'm going to give this to God. But then we give Him the blind, we give Him the lame, we give Him the weak, we don't give Him the first choice, we don't give Him the excellent choice. We keep that for ourselves, and God says, I'm to your boss would he be impressed the way you serve God if you were getting paid if it was your job and by the way here's here's the secret that you don't know you are getting paid go to 1st Corinthians chapter number 3 Corinthians chapter number 3 Corinthians chapter number 3 look at verse number 8 See, we, we, we go to work and we're faithful and we're consistent. We do the best we can. We volunteer in different things in the community and we're always there. We're always faithful. But then with God, it's like, ah, whatever. With God, it's like, ah, just give Him the lame one. Just give Him the lame one. Just give Him the sick one. Give Him the things we don't want, we don't want to use. Don't give Him the first choice. God says, I'm not pleased with that. He so says, that doesn't bring me honor. First Corinthians chapter number 3, look at verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, Now he that planteth, and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own, notice this word, labor. Now look, you are not saved by works. But do you understand this? In heaven you will be rewarded by the works you did for God. you understand this. You're not saved by works. You're saved by grace through faith. I think we made that clear. But when you get to heaven, God will reward you for the service and the sacrifice that you gave him. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, it doesn't matter what your job is. You may be the pastor that gets up and preaches. You may be the usher that greets people at the door. You may be the van driver that picks people up for church. You may be the person that comes in and cleans the building. It doesn't matter what your job is. He says, look, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. If you're in the ministry of God, if you're helping us reach this community, he said, it doesn't matter what your job is. He said, if you're working... Notice, now ye that planteth and that waters are one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Skip down to verse number 13. Notice what he says. This is talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Every man's, notice this word, work. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work, for what sort it is. And here's the question I have for you. The the sacrifices that you offer God, what sort is it? Is it the first length? Is it the fattest? Is it the first choice, the priority, the most excellent thing? Is it a more excellent sacrifice? Or is it the lame, the sick, the blind, the leftovers, the things you don't want? Because God says, I'm not impressed with your gift just because you gave a gift. Look at verse 14. If any man's work abide, which he has built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire." Here's what God is saying. I'm not satisfied with just the fact that you offer me something. I'm not satisfied with just the fact that you gave me work. He said, I want the quality of the work. To be something that I can reward. Because I'm going to pay you for your work. So we have two lessons here. One represents salvation. But the other represents our sacrifice that we give to God. And the lessons are this. One was a sacrifice versus works. And the other one was just of the fruit of the ground. And then one guy says, "He gave me the priority. He gave me the first things. He gave me the fat thereof. He gave me the most excellent thing." Listen, if you're going to do something for God, why don't you do it with all your heart? Why don't you do it the best you can? Why don't you decide I'm going to work hard at work and I'm going to be the best employee, but I'm also going to be the best Christian I can. And anything that my fan, that my hand finds it to do, the Bible says, do it with all thy might. It says, do it the best you can. He says, offer God the best gift, the best sacrifice that you can offer Him. Now let me just show you one more thing, and we'll we'll be done. It. And really, this has nothing to do with the sermon. It's just something interesting that I that I want you to see. Genesis chapter number four, look at verse ten. Genesis chapter four, verse ten. The Bible says, and he said. What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cried unto me from the ground. Remember, God goes to Cain and he says, where's your brother? He said, am I my brother's keeper? And he says, look. And God makes a very interesting statement. He says, thy brother's blood cried unto me. God said, I can hear the blood of Abel crying to me. Go, to, go, go back to, uh, to Hebrews chapter number uh, 12. Actually, go, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter number 11, and then we'll look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter number 11, and then we'll look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 11, notice, notice the last phrase in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it, notice this phrase, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. God said, I can hear the blood of Abel. And then here in Hebrews, we're told that by his sacrifice, he being dead, he has speaketh. Now go to Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 24. This is just interesting. And I don't really know how it goes into the sermon. This is something I wanted to show you. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 24. So I just put that in. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 24. Look what it says. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, notice this, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. It's interesting because in the Bible it seems like, you know, God can hear blood. But he hears Abel's blood and he hears Jesus' blood. But here's the interesting thing. What was Abel's blood yelling out to God? Cain slew Abel. And God said, I can hear the blood of your brother crying out to me. And what was that blood crying out? It was probably crying out for justice, wouldn't you say? It was the blood was crying out to God saying, Hey, Cain slew me. Cain killed me. Cain's guilty. I want justice. I want justice. Do you understand that? God could hear the blood of Abel saying, you know, Cain has sinned. Cain is wrong. Cain, you gotta understand this. The picture of salvation is this. You and I were born of the blood of Adam. And the blood of humankind says this. You are guilty. God needs to give justice. You are a sinner. That's what the blood of Abel was saying. It was saying, justice, give me justice, give me justice. But here's the beautiful thing. Hebrews 12, 24. The blood of sprinkling, the blood of Jesus Christ, speaketh better things than that of Abel. See, the blood of Abel is crying out for justice. The blood of Jesus is saying, justify the blood of Abel is saying we need justice he's guilty he's a sinner and the blood of Jesus it cries out better things than the blood of Abel the blood of Jesus isn't crying out for justice it's saying hey i've been justified and that's the picture of salvation either human effort human blood will cry out for justice or the blood of Jesus Christ will cry out for for the fact that you've been made righteous that you've been justified go back to hebrews 11 look at verse 4 we're done let me just show you one thing. Hebrews 11 verse 4. Look at the last phrase again. By a he being dead, yet speak. There is only one way to make your life last or go further after death. You got to understand this. Whatever you do at work, it's great. Praise the Lord for it. I'm glad you're doing it. I'm glad you're being successful. But you got to understand this. The things that we do on this earth, once we're dead, It's done. No one's going to even know about it, and no one's even going to care. You're going to be replaced, and that'll be it. The only way to make your life... The songwriter said this, Only one life so soon shall pass, and only what's done for Christ shall last. And the Bible tells us that Abel's sacrifice, because he, number one, offered a sacrifice that represented salvation. And then he offered God the firstlings, the priority, and he gave him the fat, he gave him the excellent, he gave him the quality, because he offered God the right things. It says, he being dead, even though he's dead, even though he's gone, the things that he did with his life, they're still speaking to us today, and we're preaching about it right now. And the only way to make your life last,
1: the only way to impact
0: this world in a way that even after you're dead... The things that you did are still speaking today is when you make God the priority and when you give him the best quality. But when you give yourself priority and you give the world the best quality, you're just going to die, fade into history, and no one will even remember you. What impact are you making for eternity? I'm glad you do a good job at work. You should do a good job at work. I don't think you can be a good Christian and have a bad testimony at work. But what are you doing for God? Are you giving Him the leftovers? Only one life so soon shall pass. Only what's done for Christ shall last. So, far, I have another word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. I know it's a basic, basic text. I mean, it doesn't get more basic than Cain and Abel. But Lord, I pray you'd help us to understand that you don't just want us to offer you something; you want us to give you the, our best. Lord, I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd help me to give you the priority in our lives and to give you the best quality that I can give you and to serve you better than any any job, any workplace. Lord, to give you the best sacrifice that I can give you because it's the only way that my life can impact eternity are the things that I do for you. The way that I live my life according to the Word of God. It's the only way, it's the only way that I can have an influence after my death. Lord, I pray you help us to get that. I pray you'd help us to make that real in our hearts, to realize the things I do for God, those are the only things that'll last after I'm gone. Lord, we love you. In your precious name I pray.